Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. This is the week seven night shift episode. We'll break down the Sunday night football DFS slate and the Monday night football DFS slate. I'm your host, Chris Raybon from the Action Network and here to break down the slates with me. One of the most accurate fantasy rankers, projectors in the game, the odds maker, Sean Kerner. Sean, how you feeling? What's up? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, definitely excited to talk about this epic Sunday night football uh, matchup. Uh, how how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm 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 hyped for this matchup too. This uh, yeah. Dolphins Eagles game, and then we're going to a, a Lakers Suns game next week. So that should be yeah, that should be I, fun I as well. Can't wait to get out of the house. It's been weeks, so <laughs> know, I'm ready man. for it. <laughs> hey, I mean, if you have if you're coming out the house to see in the first LeBron versus KD matchup since 2018 is a good way to yeah, good way to come back. That. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get right into it. Before we do, just remember. Uh, we have our Discord now, so if you want to chat with Kerner, myself, the other action experts, just be sure to check the link in the episode description. Sean's been very active in there. I give you a lot of props. Uh, you know, they love you up in there. You've been, you've been really good about uh, staying active and, and engaged uh, in there. So, yeah, we might jump in there during some of these late night games as well and chop it up. Maybe some long shot parlays or dfs plays or something like that so uh definitely check that out link in the episode description if you're interested in joining our discord sunday night football dolphins at the eagles eagles favored by two and a half now the line's been kind of hovering between two and two and a half the total uh is 51 and a half it's been hovering between 50 152 uh and that's of course 8 20 p.m eastern on nbc uh luck rankings sean both of these teams have been pretty lucky uh but <laughs> the 
in terms of the total, both of these teams have been uh, going over, like scoring a little more than you would expect. I mean, obviously the Dolphins, but uh, like right. the luck rankings are pointing toward uh, some regression in, in that aspect. Correct. Yeah, it's, it, it seems like it. Obviously, I, I still think this is going to be a really high scoring game. You know, uh, the Dolphins have scored on 81% of the red zone trips, but they're one of the best offenses we've, we've ever seen. So uh, I don't know how much regression exactly they're due for, but they're due for some. But uh, I thought the total was pretty close to where I had it, you know, 51 and a half, 52. Sounds about right. Uh, so I'm a bit scared to bet this under. What about you? I'd lean, I'd lean under, um, definitely, you know, not over. I think that, you know, just some of the injuries uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles offense and then, you know, the Dolphins really haven't played anybody. They, except, you know, New England's defense held them to, what, 24, and Buffalo held them to 20. So it's still so early in the year that it could, you know, Miami might have just played four of the worst defenses in the league. I mean, True. definitely Denver. Uh, yeah. Carolina is not great. Um, the Giants are, one, were especially at that point, one of the worst. And uh, who else did they run up to score on? Uh, Chargers were, yeah, pretty bad mm. in week one. J.C. Jackson was still there. So, yeah, it's still early. I, I would lean under. Uh, we'll t- we'll obviously talk about it. I yeah. think there's a lot to talk about. Um, pretty fascinating matchup. But uh, let's start with uh, the captain spot. Who do you like to have a freak performance? Uh, I'm going with Jalen Hurts here. Uh, you know, he's he's thrown for 280-plus yards in three straight games, mainly because they've been in – close or trailing game scripts which is kind of a rare thing for them you know a lot of the time last year they were done by the fourth quarter you know they could just run out the clock or you know just rest hurts and the starters but uh, a matchup against the Dolphins just means it's going to be another close or potentially trailing game script where you know I think this is uh, the type of game where we could see hurts you know true ceiling Um, and obviously he's he's the goal line back which means uh, he's always a good bet for a rushing score, which is just uh, just really good leverage when it comes to the captain slot in these slates for the quarterback. So uh, while he's probably going to be very chalky, I don't care. I'm going with Jalen Hurts here. I mean, it's hard to say there's chalk because there's just so many guys <laughs> uh, on this one. Uh, I actually think, I mean, yes, Jalen Hurts, it's definitely a potential ceiling game for him because you know, the Eagles aren't usually in potential shootouts because their their defense is yeah. so good and they like to run the ball but I do think this will be a good rushing game for him and I think I think he's going to rely on his legs uh, a little bit more because last week especially I just thought he wasn't really sharp in, in his reads and I think you know this instead of trying to force some balls down the field like he was missing he missed a, a, a few wide open receivers he just looked kind of confused out there and now mm-hmm. you're going up against Vic Fangio defense, even the talent isn't great uh, on Miami necessarily. Um, they do have some some pieces, but I do think Hertz is going to be a little quicker to pull it down and and run. And yeah. you might get one of those like patented 100 yard rushing mm. games from Hertz in this spot. And he's usually a good bet for at least one touchdown just because that. Right. They, so the Eagles are 93% with the tush, with the brotherly shove, and <laughs> the rest of the league is 78%. So they are just. Uh, a cut above when, when using that play. <laughs> well, Hertz can what squat six plates? Yeah, yeah have six hundred plus or something like that. Six hundred. I think I think it's six plates each. I, I tried Oof. to pick it, uh, but yeah, you need that leg power for that play to work. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, with six plates on each side would be two seventy on each side. That's five forty plus the bar. Yeah, yeah. 
to right yeah. around 600 Damn. pounds. <laughs> uh, five, How many points can you do? <laughs> <laughs> so if I can get to, if I can get two on each side, I'm doing good. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. For yeah, like I said, a lot of choices here. Yeah. Got to go with Tyreek Hill. I mean, the upside is just massive each and every week. And since he joined the Miami Dolphins, it's just been otherworldly. He's had 100 or 140 or more receiving yards in four of his six games this year and 10 of 23 since joining the Dolphins. And this Eagle defense has kind of turned into a little bit of a pass funnel. They're number two in DVOA against the run, but 20th against the pass. They've been banged up in the secondary. You know, yeah. Slay's still questionable. He's limited in practice. Reed Blankenship, their safety didn't practice. Uh, got hurt last game. You got a couple of corners, you know, uh, depth corners on on IR and, and, and out. And Roby just got hurt. So yeah. it's been it's been tough in the secondary. Uh, and also something kind of not really being talked about. I think you're getting a little bit of that brain drain, you know, losing both your coordinators. You know, the offense hasn't looked as sharp. Hurts hasn't looked as sharp. But also the defense hasn't quite looked as dominant, uh, especially against the pass, which is always, you know, you'd like to – if you could pick one of the two, I'd, you'd rather stop the pass than the run. So um, I think the run – they're stopping the run just because they got just such talented guys yeah. in the front seven. But, and, but um, the pass defense hasn't been great. And look at the games that they've been giving up to opposing top wide receivers. Week one, Kendrick Bourne, 11 targets, six catches, 64 yards, two touchdowns. Week two, Justin Jefferson, 13 targets, 11 catches for 159. Uh, Addison also had 72 yards and a tutty, and Osborne got a tutty as well. So all three started. Uh, Week three, Mike Evans, five for 60 and a, a touchdown on 10 targets. Week four, Terry McLaurin, 10 targets, eight catches, 86 yards. Samuel also had seven catches and Dotson had a touchdown. Uh, wow. Week, week five, Cooper Cup, eight catches, 118 yards on 12 targets. Puka Nakua, seven catches for 71 and a tutty on 11 targets. And notice a trend. All these top guys are getting double-digit targets. Like, that's where you're going. Uh, and, you know, I mean, they still have Bradbury and Slay should be back. But Slay hasn't been good this year. Uh, he's having his worst year, uh, mm. really, of his career. Outside of that, I think he made that one good play uh, and, and brought a pick back. But outside of that, it hasn't been great. But uh, yeah, week six, Garrett Wilson, 12 targets, eight catches, 90 yards. So every yeah. single week, the opposing wide receiver one has double digit targets and at least 60 yards. And uh, they're getting into the end zone uh, or, uh, you know, putting up massive yardage numbers. So it's just been... It's been a struggle for Philadelphia, and now you're going up against the the most productive wide receiver in the game. So love me some Tyreek in the captain spot. We who you got for values in this game? Yeah, so uh, Tyreek's a great call. Uh, I'm gonna go with their second wide receiver in Jalen Waddle. Um, you know he is really starting to heat up. Uh, he has a touchdown back to back games, but he only put up you know 35 and 51 yards. Uh, but his underlying usage is trending up. You know, this is the first time we've seen him run uh, over an 85% routes run rate in back-to-back games. Uh, he he didn't top 80% routes run rate until week five. Uh, and he's seen a, a 30% or greater target rate the past couple of games. But the yardage hasn't been there. Um, so, like you mentioned, the Eagles secondary is banged up. This could be uh, Waddle's first game where we see the high yardage total. 
and a touchdown. So I think this is a great spot, you know, for both Tyreek and Waddle. They're really, you know, the passing offense right now. So, um, you know, I, I think Waddle's roster ship will still be pretty high, but I think he's he's a great play uh, on this slate, and I'm, I'm going to try to have him in most of my lineups. Yeah, and McDaniel does a great job with the, the, the concepts, and really, they don't waste targets. Usually all their their route concepts are to try to get yep. Hill or Waddle or one of the running backs with a lead blocker going, um, you know, in the past game. They're not really targeting Durham Smythe uh, a ton or, you know, the, even the fullback uh, Ingold hasn't really been getting uh, much in, in the past game. So it's very concentrated. And uh, yeah, this could be, I mean, I, I already rattled off all the numbers. Like I said, you know, Addison, Osborne, uh, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Puka Nakua. There were there were you know wide receiver twos and even threes that <laughs> yeah, were Yeah, Jahan Dotson's out. having a good game against you. That's that's a problem. I mean, I would I would stop a little short of saying good game. He he caught four of <laughs> yeah, nine I, targets for twenty seven yards and a touchdown. That's his best game of the season. It's a good fantasy game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the best decent, game of the season. Decent fantasy game. Yeah, but, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I have just to pile a, on Dotson at least for one more week. <laughs> just give me one more week. Oh man, yeah, you're definitely going going to jinx him. He's going to go for like 200 this week. I'm, I'm trying to do that. You caught me. <laughs> uh, I like so we we kind of talked about it already. Like Tyreek, we like uh, Waddle. Tough run defense. Also, you might have Jeff Wilson back. Who knows how that carry distribution is going to go with with Mostert? So uh, yeah, I like the passing game over the run game. I still think Mostert obviously could get yeah. some, you know, the, the scheme is just so good. He could, he could do work in the passing game or he could get, you know, they could, they'll figure out a way to get him in space. But I like Tua here uh, because I do think this matchup favors the Dolphin passing game. As we talked about uh, three quarterbacks already have 330 or more total yards against this Eagles defense. Uh, Mac Jones had 331. And three touchdowns with only one pick in week one. Kirk Cousins had 364 all through the air with four touchdowns and no picks. And Sam Howell had 330 yards and a touchdown with no picks as well. So the only quarterbacks not to have 330 or more total yards or multiple touchdowns uh, against the Eagles this year are Baker Mayfield and Zach Wilson. So uh, this is a matchup where Tua should eat. And uh, on the other side, I do like DeAndre Swift in this game. I think the Eagles will be a little more run heavy, both with Hurts and Swift. I think this Miami defense, uh, you could throw on them and you can run on them. But uh, again, I just think the offense is a little out of source. I think Hurts is struggling with his reads. You know, Devontae Smith is missing some practice time. So uh, it's, you know, that's never good when you're trying to get on the same page. I, th- I don't think him and Devontae Smith are really on the same page. And I think that's kind of uh, a an issue and now Smith is hurt uh Quez Watkins your number three is hurt so you sign Julio Jones to the practice squad so the passing game is just a little I think touch and go right now so I think you're going to see them recommit to the run after Swift had just 10 carries mm-hmm. last week for 18 yards but still a very productive fantasy day because he caught eight passes got in the end zone since week two remember he had that weird week one game where he barely played since yeah. week two Swift averaging 21.4 touches, just under 113 scrimmage yards per game, and has three touchdowns in his last five games. So he's he's a high-end running back one in terms of his production mm-hmm. over the last month 
plus. And I think it's another great matchup. Dolphins 25th in DVOA against the run, 31st in DVOA on passes to running backs. And Swift, just under a 62% rush success rate this year. That's fourth in the league out of 44 qualifiers. One spot behind Jalen Hurts at number three. And HN and Mostert are also top six. So if HN was playing, you would have four of the top six uh, runners in success rate all in this game. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> HN is out. But yeah. speaking of injuries, you know, even if Lane Johnson misses only 28% of Swift's rushing yards and none of his touchdowns have come when running to Johnson's side, which is the right side. And that's because on the left side, you have Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson, and then Kelsey at center. All those guys are elite run blockers, yeah. all rank in the top 10 at their position uh, in run blocking at PFF. So uh, not really worried about Johnson. Another reason why I think passing wise, it, 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 like I think Hertz will do a little more with his legs in this one. Um, just because, you know, if Johnson Johnson's banged up or out, uh, the Eagles offense tends to struggle a, a bit. Mm. So I, I do think um, you got to play to your strengths here. So Swift to a, for me, uh, let's go to dark throws. He like, do you like darts, Ted? Oh, okay. I'm more of a, you know, a cornhole man myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I, I mean, I agree that d- this is DeAndre Swift's backfield, but I think Kenneth Gainwell's worth a dart throw here. Um, you know, Swift obviously deserves the much higher median projection, but this is the Eagles backfield and it can be unpredictable at times. And Gainwell's been mixing in quite a bit lately, especially on third downs and the two minute offense. So, you know, if this does turn into a pass heavy trailing game script, it could help him. Um, and you know, there's, there's a chance that the Eagles end up going with a high hand approach at points. If Gainwell does, you know, do well on his first few touches. So, um, you know, I'm not going to have a ton of him, but the Eagles backup running backs are always in play on these showdown slates just because, you know, they can be kind of a crap shoot. So I'm going to go with uh, Kenny Gainwell here. Yeah. Gainwell's definitely been, I mean, he's been mixing in. He's been, you know, it's, it's been tough because Swift has been playing so well. So that's yeah. really, that's really been Gainwell's issue. Um, but you know, until last game, he was pretty much getting all of the RB2 work. Then last game, you saw a couple of, uh, Boston, Boston Scott. Scott. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, I guess he's another potential dart throw, but probably a week late on on him. We'll see uh, how that how that kind of shakes out. Uh, Petty seems to continue to be a healthy scratch. Yeah. I like Braxton Berrios. So kind of mentioned it. This Dolphins offense is tough because very concentrated as it should be with Tyreek, Jalen Waddle, and the running backs, especially Mostert. But Philadelphia has been more man-heavy this season, which is interesting given what's going on in the secondary. Um, But again, that's what happens when you switch coordinators. Mm. Um, So they've been been top 10 man coverage team in terms of rate of man coverage this year. But the last three weeks, they've ramped it up even more. uh, Top three over the last three weeks. And Berrios is tied for second on the team in targets and catches. Uh, against man coverage. Now, part of that is just Jamal Waddle being injured for a few games. But nevertheless, he's he looks like he's the third option uh, at worst against man coverage because, as we talked about a lot, running backs they and tight ends tend to get those easy catches more so against zone. It's just That's just kind of how it goes when, when you have man coverage. You're going to tend to look 
down the field at your wide receivers. And Barrios, 2.3 yards per route against man coverage, which is very good. Uh, 1.5 against zone, so almost a full yard better per route against man this season. And he is running around about just over 50% of Tua's dropbacks. He is the clear-cut number three wide receiver. So like me, some Braxton Barrios. Probably looks like he's like around the same price as all these other guys too. So uh, like all the other Dolphins yeah. receivers. So like that. And then on the Eagles side, I already mentioned, like, could definitely, I wouldn't be mad at some Boston Scott. Uh, but, you know, I do think there are some better options given the, the Devontae Smith is banged up and Quest Watkins is on IR. So Julio Jones, we talked about it. He's just been signed. Don't know if he's going to be elevated from the practice squad, but I think there's a chance because remember last season, for my money, the best GM in the in the game, Howie Roseman, what did he do after the Eagles first loss? He went out and signed Linville Joseph and Ndamukong Sue to bolster that defensive line against the run. And those guys played just days later after being signed. Mm, and yeah. Joseph played 40% of the snaps. Sue played 26% of the snaps. So you definitely have an opening here at this number three receiver spot. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I don't think Smith is in any danger, um, but, uh, you know, we're recording this Thursday. So not, mm, not sure, yeah. not, not a guarantee, you know, things, a lot of things can develop, you know, between now and, and, and the game on Sunday night. So, I mean, there's a chance. They signed him because, you know, maybe Smith's injury is even worse than, than we thought. Mm. But, um, yeah, definitely if Jones is elevated, worth a dart throw, uh, will probably play immediately because the other wide receivers behind him would be Britton Covey, who's good returner for them, but uh, does they don't really seem interested in involving him in a pass game. And then De- Devin Allen's been getting elevated. Combined, those guys have eight routes this year. They've run eight routes combined. So, it's it's gonna be Jones if he's up, and if not, let's go with Olamide Zacchaeus again. Like I'm, I'm kind of tired of him. <laughs> like every time I I, I I watch the Eagles, like I just see, I see him out there just kind of getting mixed up and mixed in, and and, and I feel like it's kind of adding to Hertz's confusion. You know, a, a new guy coming over from Atlanta. So you got two former Falcons. So maybe I don't know. Maybe mm. uh, maybe Jones kind of helps with. With Zacchaeus, helps hurts with Zacchaeus uh, and kind of wearing his reads and routes and things. But either way, I, I do think he's worth a dart throw because he's averaging an 80% route run rate in the three games Quez Watkins missed. And as I mentioned, Eagles seem to have no interest in playing Covey or Allen at wide receiver. Zacchaeus, an A dot of uh, average depth of target that is yeah. of 15 and a half. And averaging 18 and a half yards per catch this year. He does have a touchdown, which did happen. I think it was either week, I think it was week, the, the game, the Bucks game, and definitely had him on this show as a dart throw. So hopefully we can strike lightning in a bottle twice. If, if again, this is, even if Julio does get elevated, I think Zacchaeus is probably still worth it because I don't think Julio will just go right into like an 80%. Right. I think more likely, Julio will still kind of be the wide receiver four and, you know, red zone packages, things like that. But Zacchaeus probably still ends up going as the number three wide receiver, at least for one more week with, uh, with Julio still getting up to speed. So like me some uh, Zacchaeus. 
Yeah, and, uh, I mean, we can't move on to the next game until we at least mention Robbie Chosen's name as a potential dart throw. <laughs> um, I mean, he'll either get zero catches or, you know, 80-yard uh, touchdowns. So he's worth the dart throw. Although, Chase Claypool, uh, at any given time now, might replace him. So, you know, we're, we're recording this a few days before the game. So, see who's active. Uh, I don't know if I would use Claypool as a dart throw if he's active. Uh, but Chosen, you know, he's just out there running deep routes. Um, in a game like this, you know, they might target him. So he's definitely worth a flyer in some of your lineups uh, for a showdown site. Yeah, I mean, I would say any Dolphins receiver. Like, we I, again, I just rattled right. off all those numbers. Any Dolphins receiver that's active is in play. So that goes for Cedric Wilson. That goes for Robbie Chosen. I like Berrios. I already talked about him. But I, I do think you make a good point. One of Chosen... Wilson or Claypool will probably be inactive. Yep. The other two who are active <laughs> will probably be active to play receiver because yes. I don't believe, you know, they're not doing, maybe Wilson plays some special teams. I got to double check that, but I'm pretty sure Chosen does not. And I'm pretty sure Claypool uh, does not either. At least probably don't want him to, you know, do uh <laughs> You know, he's just getting to the team, so that's, he hasn't spent the offseason here. So, let's see. Does Wilson play special team? He's the backup punt returner. I mean, but, when does the backup punt returner get in the game? I mean, he, he <laughs> probably he's probably more likely a special teamer than Robbie Chosen or Chase Claypool. Yeah, I know. Robbie Chosen is not playing no special teams. That's, right. <laughs> right. And, 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 like, for good reason. He just doesn't have – I don't think he has, like, the right, the right mindset for that. But uh, let's see. Cedric Wilson, special teams. He has played two special team snaps this year. One snap on the kick return team, one snap on the punt return team. So, yeah, no. So, both of these guys, whoever's active at the four and five behind uh, Waddle Hill and Berrios, out of Wilson, Chosen, and Claypool, they'll be active to play receiver. So, yeah, go. uh, Don't hesitate to, to throw those guys in your lineups. Let's go to Monday. Night football, San Francisco at Minnesota. The Niners favored by seven on the road, six and a half at some spots. Um, you know, there is some injury concerns, which we'll talk about. The total sitting at 44, 8 15 p.m. Eastern, 5 15 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. Uh, luck rankings. Minnesota's been middle of the pack this year, so not no eleven and one and one scores. I think it's gone the other way, right? Or are, are there? Um, yeah, yeah, they've been bad. They won. Oh, scores. and three and one score games. Let's see, one. No, no, no. I've got one last week. I was on. I was on the Vikings, so I know that they won by six against the uh, the Bears. Well, every single game has been a one possession game. I would say, um, but yeah, yeah, they, they're not. They're not going eleven and zero in one score games again this year. They can't get away with that again. Yeah, so they're fourteenth in luck. The Niners are 27. So, interestingly enough, despite the uh, being them being favorites on the mm. road after not you know, completely blowing, like not even <laughs> coming close to covering uh, as a big road favorite last yeah. week in Cleveland, uh, they are unlucky. And I, I do think, like this, like if you're gonna bet, and I don't really do this, but if you're gonna bet like a six seven point favorite or or even more. I do think this is the kind of spot 
that you want to get them, you know, when everyone's kind of, you know, yeah. the world is falling down, all their stars are hurt. They just blew it against the, uh, they, they just, you know, looked like crap against the Browns. Brock Purdy had his first bad game. First time they don't score 30 in forever. Like this is the time to buy the Niners. So I do think the Niners will, will play well, uh, regardless who's on the field. You know, they're a well-coached team with a lot of talent um regardless but uh who do you like uh, any, any other any thoughts on on the on the luck rankings with the, uh, with these two? no but i agree i think four ers bounce back uh after chopping my um last undefeated team uh, <laughs> Brock, nice. uh they're gonna bounce back this week i'm sure of it um but you know i i would wait to see the injury report you know trent williams is questionable uh mccaffrey's questionable debo's questionable um, so this is one of those games where I think I'd wait to see the injury report, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the Niners bounce back here. Well, I mean, if you like the Niners, I, if I, if you like the Niners, I don't really think you want to wait because all that's going to happen with like, I don't think it's going to come, but like down much low. Like I, you, I, you don't, I don't think it's going to get past the six, well, but it's I at do seven, think right? it's, well, at it's, seven it's right at now? six and a half at some spots. Oh, but it is the, at six and the a half. thing is, I think right. if like Williams came back in a game. Um, and they said McCaffrey and Debo aren't really serious. So, like, if any, if even if like one of the two of McCaffrey and Debo get ruled in, it might go right. back up again. So, I, if sure. I, if you like the Niners, I think you might as well just go in uh, now. They're also a decent. I would say it's spot. more of a lean than something I want to lock in. So, who yes. are you locking in in a captain spot? Well, I know what the answer is here. It's Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, the entire offense is coming off a down performance against the Browns. You know, Brock Purdy only threw for 125 yards. And Ayuk still managed to post a seven catch uh, or four catch 76 yard receiving line. It, it just kind of shows how dominant he's been this year. Um, he's seen a 25% or greater target rate in every game this year. Um, and, you know, la- last week was the second time he's had a, a 30% or greater target rate. And, you know, he's playing alongside, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. Um, so if CMC's uh, ruled out this week, you know, Ayuk's going to see even more targets. Uh, it just seems like it's Debo and Kittle sort of taking turns being the odd man out in the passing offense. Uh, but Ayuk has really just turned into one of the best receivers in the game right in front of our eyes. Um, so, you know, I, I look for the entire offense to bounce back, um, including Ayuk. So I, I love using him in the captain slot here. Yeah, I used to been amazing. It's crazy that he hasn't even scored since week one when he had that. He just posted up uh, Patrick Peterson on like a perfect coverage by Peterson and and, and got a well. They've touchdown. just been letting McCaffrey score all the touchdowns. You know? Yeah, I somehow hit a, a Christian McCaffrey <laughs> touchdown prop in a game. He got injured. That's how. That's how. I, that's how good my beats have been this year. Except for, yeah. until Mac Jones. Until Mac Jones. Obviously. Whatever you're doing with that Gabe Davis rip shirt, just keep it up. <laughs> Yeah, so that, for that, 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 don't that know, sure belongs in the, the NFL Hall of Fame at this point. <laughs> I don't even think it's in my <laughs> possession. I think it's in the oh no, the, the trash Hall of Fame. But uh, yeah, for, <laughs> for those that have no idea what we're talking about, it was a couple years ago that what was it that Chiefs Bills wild playoff game, the thirteen seconds <laughs> game. I had a uh, a shirt that said Schmoney on it, but it was like it was like the in the same font that the Supreme shirts, the Supreme box logo shirts are, and when. Davis got like what was it his fourth touchdown because we were on the Bills in that game when he yeah, got his we were both on the touchdown. Bills. Uh, Simon and Chad were on the Chiefs. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we we got egg on our face, but at the <laughs> time 
it was, uh, you know, it looked like the Bills were going to pull it off, and, and Davis had just scored again, and I, like, just straight up just ripped it off, like, just, and, uh, yeah, so, but I think I think I threw it out, but, yeah, ever since then, I've been on a heater, so one way or another, it's doing work yes. for me. <laughs> uh, but, so I'm going to go a little riskier in the captain spot, and mm-hmm. you kind of mentioned it. It's kind of been not every, there's one guy every week is probably going to take a backseat. Last week, it was George Kittle. This yeah. week, I think George Kittle has a big game. So the matchup is perfect for George Kittle. You have a Vikings defense that blitzes 57% of the time under Brian Flores now. That is most in the league by a country mile. <laughs> like, no one's – no, who like, who's blitzing – over half the time like that is just i don't i don't remember the last time i've seen something like that the, the next highest is the patriots they're at 43 percent. so this vikings defense their identity send extra rushers george kittle leads the 49ers in catches and yards against the blitz this year he's second among all tight ends with three yards per route against the blitz this year minimum of five targets according to sports info solutions and last season starting in the game Brock Purdy took over uh, in week 12 and including the postseason Kittle also led the team in yards touchdowns versus the blitz with uh with Brock Purdy at the helm so Purdy does like to look for Kittle against the blitz um Debo's also been good against the blitz but he's he's kind of banged up but Kittle's definitely been his guy and so Kittle had another one catch game last week. He had a one catch game in week four. In week five, he goes for three touchdowns. The time before that, that he had a one catch game, the last time and the only time last year was week 10. He had one catch for 21 yards against the Chargers. The week after, four catches. 84 yards, two touchdowns. So Mm. his last two one-catch games, the next week he's had multiple touchdowns. Five in total in his last two games coming off one catch. So uh, that seems to kind of be how Kyle Shanahan's doing it this year. He's like somebody's always going to kind of be a decoy because they just Mm -hmm. have like a wealth of of talent. So it's understandable. But now, as you mentioned, you could just out of necessity have to re-involve Kittle if – McCaffrey and Samuel yeah. do end up sitting, but even if not, you know, like probably Devo will probably be the decoy. Um, that would that would make a lot of sense if he's banged up. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think it's a big spot for Kittle. And uh, this Minnesota defense allowed ten catches on eleven targets for sixty-seven yards and a touchdown to Kelsey. Six catches to Gerald Everett. Six catches to Dallas Goddard. Two touchdowns to Donald Parham. So they've been giving up some production to the tight end position. I mean, that's what happens when you vacate those, you know, that those flat, those, those, you know, middle of the field, because you're sending all these extra blisters all the time. Yep. So it makes perfect sense. Everything lines up for a smash spot for Kittle. And I mean, I might have to rank him over TJ Hawkinson. It's a, it's a tough matchup for Hawkinson going against, you know, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, uh, the you know, the safeties, Gibson, like it, it, it's, it's a brutal matchup. So, you know, I'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I like Kittle more than Hawkinson definitely uh, for DFS this week, especially yeah. coming off the uh, the bad game. 
who you like for value? Well, uh, you know, assuming they, they uh, hold out Christian McCaffrey, I would like Jordan Mason here. Um, it might be Elijah Mitchell who actually draws the start if McCaffrey's out, but Mason will probably see most of the passing down work and the two-minute offense, which is obviously, you know, where the more valuable touches are um, for CMC. But uh, he's also flashed enough upside. As a runner, there's a chance he could overtake Mitchell as the early down back too if that hasn't happened already. We don't know. Um, but I think he clearly offers the highest upside of the two. And it's curious to see how, you know, the roster ship would sort out between Mason and Mitchell um, if McCaffrey's out. But I'm going to have to go with Mason here. Yeah, I noticed that too. Mason ran ahead of Mitchell and it, it had nothing to do with game script because the game was close last week. So yeah, um, I at this point, I'm, I have them pretty much splitting carries but if McCaffrey is ruled out I'm definitely going to have Mason as the as the starter I, I think I, I you know and this is something that you know people that follow the team closely beat writers and, and such they were kind of saying this even heading into uh the the, the Cleveland game like you know mm-hmm. this guy Mitchell it's part of it is he just can't stay healthy he can't like if you already have McCaffrey and a bunch of other guys hurt on offense you don't want to have a starter that you're you know putting in the game plan that never makes it through a game, you know? So yeah, it's, it's been tough. Mitchell's, you know, he's looked great, but then again, who hasn't looked great behind this, you know, in this scheme. So, True. Um, but there was a play. I, I think it was the Cowboy game. I'll have to double back and look. It was like a third and six. It obviously wasn't a running down, but they, they gave uh, Mason a draw play and he converted the first down and it was like a crucial situation. Um, so the fact that they're trusting him in a spot like that, and he came through, like there's plays like that I've seen him make uh, really high leverage plays where he's come through as a runner. So, um, you know, Mitchell's been out the past couple of games, but this is Kyle Shanahan. Anything can happen. So I think, you know, there's a chance we, again, we don't know. He could be the number two back uh, right now on early downs, but uh, yeah, he's looked really good uh, in his limited time this year. Yeah. So if you look at success rate, which is, you know, just Mm -hmm. first downs, you're getting, you know, half for off, four or more yards, second down, you get yep. half the yardage, third down, you're, fourth down, you're converting. That that's that equals a success. Uh, small sample, obviously, but pretty comparable number of carries for Mason and Mitchell this year. Mason has 21 carries and a 50% success rate. Mitchell has 18 carries and a 25% success mm. rate. So li- literally doubling him up, <laughs> running behind the same line in the same scheme, same amount of carries. Now, granted, I think earlier in the year, there was some at, 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 like some times where Mason was really getting like that mop-up duty, but Mitchell's been out most of the year. So Mason has still been kind of getting in there as, you know, regular you know, back number two running back who's given McCaffrey a breather. He's not just going against like third stringers or anything like that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Defense is still playing hard because they're, they're down usually. Um, and then last week again, he, Mitchell was active. Mitchell was active last week, so that that's really the the reason I think we have to look, take Mason seriously too. Is that Mitchell was active last week? Granted, he wasn't an injury report, but you know mm-hmm. he he's another guy who's not really a special teamer. So if he's active. He's active to play running back. So the fact that he didn't really get in the game, what and despite McCaffrey getting hurt, is I would say very concerning yeah. for uh, his stock. So yeah, like Mason as well. Uh, I, I would say this. Even if McCaffrey plays, I like Mason. Now, now <laughs> there I, you go. Because I think he's going to yeah. play over Mitchell. The more, I mean, listen. Sometimes these things flip, and maybe, maybe Mitchell is still 
banged up, but I don't. They have Ty Davis Price on the roster, so if he was, if it was an injury related, they could have just had Price active. So I, I think Mason has indeed jumped Mitchell. Mm. Uh, I like Jordan Addison for value here. You know, not a ton of yards in the last in his first true game as the wide receiver one absent Justin Jefferson, but. Still six or more catches, 52 or more yards, and or a touchdown in five of the six games this year. And, you know, most of those games have been with Jefferson in the lineup. He ran a route on every single drop back last week. So his routes run rate was previously hovering in the 70s, and then it jumped up to 80% in the last couple of weeks. Last week, 100%. Didn't come off the field on any passing plays. And as I mentioned, Brutal matchup for TJ Hawkinson. San Francisco's mm-hmm. number two in DVOA against tight ends. Warner, Greenlaw, very good in coverage. Uh, Gibson and Hufanga can, you know, wreak havoc as well. And then you have a situation where pretty much, and it's he, he's not been bad. He's actually been good. But Diamador Lenore is probably the guy you're going to target when you're throwing against this San Francisco secondary because Ward on the other side has been great. I mentioned all the guys in the middle are just you don't really want to get 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 too crazy in there. So really Lenore uh is the guy and we see that kind of play out in the DVOA splits for left, middle, right. Lenore tends to play that right cornerback, which is the offense's left, uh most frequently. And San Francisco's thirteenth in DVOA uh on passes to the offensive left, which is Lenore's side, and that's where Addison tends to uh, see a lot of his targets as well. So, you know, obviously the receivers are going to move around, but I do think they're going to try to get, you know, Addison matched up on Lenore as much as possible, especially with, you know, Hawkinson potentially being less of an option than in in most weeks where Cousins could just pepper him with, you know, 15 targets, which he'll drop five uh, and still come up with like 10 catches. So Addison, and then on the other side, let's go Brock Purdy. You know, this guy is not a system quarterback. He just had a bad game against the best defense in the league. When when all his guys got hurt and there was bad weather. Like, simple as that. Always love to bet on a bounce back spot. I'm expecting multiple touchdowns from Kittle. So love the Purdy stack here. But, I mean, you could you could even captain Purdy. You know, it, oh, especially yeah. McCaffrey's out. Maybe Maybe they give Purdy like a sneak or a – uh, a touch push or something near the goal line. So like Purdy, but like he's definitely not a system quarterback. Been watching him very close. Throws with anticipation. Great feel in the pocket of how to escape pressure, step up, make throws. Doesn't really ever panic. Very accurate. Much better deep ball thrower than Jimmy G, even though I don't think the arm, there's not a massive difference in arm strength. But uh, just a, a very, very good quarterback is Brock Purdy. So um, going going back to him to bounce back here, Minnesota, again, the top, the most blitz-happy team in the league. Well, Purdy is third in passing yards against the Blitz, 535, fourth in touchdowns against the Blitz with five, no interceptions. So five touchdowns, no picks against the Blitz this year for his career, nine touchdowns, one pick against the Blitz. And you know, you know, Brian Flores is going to do it. I mean, they do it over half the time. So like, it's <laughs> yeah. not, they're not just going to random, like all of a sudden just sit back and, and let the young quarterback just pick them apart, which he will. Uh, Debo in or out doesn't matter. Uh, he's, he's still got Ayuk. He's still got Kittle. So uh, like me, some Brock 
Purdy this week, and uh, I think it's just a great time to buy low on on the guys who had bad games last week, Purdy, Kittle in particular. Yeah, no, I think he's a great play in the captain spot, especially if McCaffrey's out. I think, you know, that's just going to increase his touchdown odds even more. He has two rushing scores this year. Again, he does have rushing upside. He just doesn't tap into it. But if they get around the five-yard line or goal line, uh, more than capable of running it, running it in for a score. So I think he's a really sneaky captain play here. Yeah, it's just it's kind of just showing his growth and development, or his I would say actually maturity is about better way to put it yeah. because we just talked about how you know it's Jalen Hurts went to a Super Bowl last year, and Brock Purdy looks like the more polished quarterback. Like if you just watch, like Jalen Hurts still gets confused, still misses reads, still does kind of those things that you would expect a guy like maybe Purdy to do. But Purdy, I think the reason why he doesn't run more is because. He knows what he's doing in the pocket. He knows where yeah. to go with the ball. He's decisive. He's he can anticipate, and he has a good feel for the for the rush and when to step up and when to kind of evade and keep his eyes yeah. downfield. So it's yeah, yeah. He uses his mobility to kind of buy time and then throw it still, <laughs> which is something that Jimmy G didn't really. You know, he's not a mobile quarterback. So I think just Purdy's using that to just throw more. Uh, but yeah, he's looked really good. He's starting to get that swagger. Uh, he's not just Mr. Relva now. He's like one of the best quarterbacks. And yeah, I agree. He's definitely not a system quarterback. I mean, you keep winning games and you become like one of the top MVP favorites for uh, the, the Super Bowl favorite. And uh, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get some swag. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I've noticed that too, though. Who do you like for dart throws? Y'all take your darts over here pretty seriously, huh? Uh, I like Brandon Powell here. Um, you know, the wide receiver usage was pretty much what we expected without Justin Jefferson. You know, Powell operated... As the clear number three wideout, um, typically out of the slot. Uh, they use two tight end sets about the same rate, but less so on passing plays. So we saw Johnny Munt and Josh Oliver both have uh, season lows in routes run rate, which allowed Powell to have a routes run rate of 76%. We were talking about that. Like I yep. thought it was going to be 60, 65, but he had potential, you know, to be in the mid 70s. And that's what happened. Um, obviously, he wasn't going to see, you know, the 30% target he's had on the season um, in a starting role. But, you know, 16% rate last week, that was about expected. It led to four targets, three catches for 20 yards. Uh, but that, that was a game where they led comfortably. This is a game, you know, obviously it's a tough matchup, but they will, you know, be forced to throw a lot more. So, you know, Powell could sneak in with like a five-catch game here. So uh, I like him as a dark throw. Yeah, he's the Vikings version of Deontay Hardy. I feel like, you know, yeah. kind of same, same role, uh, except he's actually going to get, like, actually, yeah, he's a mix of, I would say he's a mix of Deontay Hardy's role and Tutu Atwell's role. Like he's, oh, he wow. can do a little bit, yeah. because I think, I think he's got enough juice that you can do some things with him. Like they're, they're going to sneak him out downfield at some point. Watch, you know, like, yeah, he's been doing most of his work closer to the line of scrimmage. But I feel like that you're going to start to, to sneak him downfield. And, yeah, he's the clear number three receiver. We'll see. They just activated uh, Jalen Naylor. So maybe he replaces mm. Nikhil Harry. Um, so, but, yeah, Powell either way I think will continue to uh, see, you know, over half the snaps at a, at yeah. a minimum. I would have definitely uh, shouted him out if you hadn't gotten an outline before me. But <laughs> I had to dig a little deeper. For this for a Vikings play, and I'm actually I do like Josh Oliver this week too. Uh, and so when you you you're right, his usage against the Bears did go down. I think he only ran a, a couple of routes, 
But I've noticed that they go to more two tight end sets in uh, against better defensive fronts where Oliver can be like a chip and release uh, option into the flat. So if you look at matchups, when he went against the Bucks, Eagles, Chargers, and Chiefs, he averaged just under 10 routes run per game. And even more snaps, passing snaps, because he was blocking mm-hmm. and didn't even get out in the route uh, on some plays too. But against two softer fronts, Carolina and Chicago, he averages three routes per game. So now you're going against San Francisco. I do think he'll be a bigger part of the game plan. San Francisco is one of the zone heaviest teams in the league yet again. And Oliver is fourth on the Vikings in yards per route versus zone. And really third because Jeff, I mean, Jefferson is not active. So among active Vikings, he's third with just over 1.6 yards per route against zone. And after the top, you know, after the starters on the Vikings, you know, Addison, Madison, uh, Osborne, Hawkinson, and Jefferson, uh, Oliver is the next most, like he's the most productive receiver against zone coverage. Really the like the only other one that's been productive at all. Uh, nine targets, seven catches, 60 yards. So all but one of his catches uh, has come against zone coverage so I do think they might try to sneak him out a couple times uh you know chip and, and kind of sneak out maybe chip Bosa and sneak out because as I mentioned I don't I really think it's going to be tough for Hawkinson who's already struggling and I think he might get lit up a couple times uh, in this game so but the second tight end no one's going to cover Josh Oliver right you know what I mean <laughs> right. so um yeah give me some give me some Oliver just hoping he catches a couple he has uh multiple catches in half of his games this year and he does have a touchdown. So uh you know there there's there's definitely definitely a chance. And Worth on the nine flyer at least. Yeah. And on a on a <laughs> Niners side, I feel like we gotta go juice. Um, uh, you know, we already talked about Mason and but there are some injuries. You know, Niners really, you know, if Debo's out, I, you could look at Ray Ray McLeod or, or Ronnie Bell. So the, you know, keep an eye on those guys if Debo's out, but I can't assume that as we record this on Thursday. However, I do think it's a, it's an interesting time to get some juice check at yeah. fullback. And remember, he's a guy who, regardless of the injuries, regardless of what's going on, how the, the distributions are playing out, he's a guy who's going to be on the field 45, 50% of the time. You know, that's just part of their offense. San Francisco and Miami, ton of two, one personnel. So I uh, always like him on on a slate like this when yeah. you know it, it's kind of tough you know the, the team usually just kind of plays its starters and it's not mixing a ton of guys in behind them so Yuschek is kind of that unsung guy and he he's another guy that's always a threat for a goal line carry and McCaffrey scored in how many straight games what is it up to 16 straight I think it is now yeah, something like that so it, it, you know this you know how Shanahan thinks at some point they're just going to hand it to the up back or maybe even a little, remember that you haven't played Madden and you do that uh, fullback toss where it's like, you kind of fake to the halfback and then it just pushes yeah. it way out wide to the fullback. He just walks in like Peyton Manning did that one time yeah. for a touchdown. Yeah. Like that's, I can see, I can see Shanahan drawing up something crazy like that, especially primetime game coming off a loss, you know, wants to want to show out a little bit. So give me some sure. juice check uh for the Niners yeah I, I hit on my juice call against the Cowboys um he's he nice. caught a touchdown I, I thought he he just missed another touchdown too so he's usually good for 
at least two or three, you know, showdown worthy games. Um, so always like them in these slots, especially with McCaffrey and Debo banged up. Um, one quick thing, if Debo is ruled out, no reason to think he's going to be held out. But if he is, are we going with Ray Ray McLeod? Your boy, Ray Ray McLeod, the third. <laughs> Under half a yard? If they if the books post a half a yard prof, what do I do? Well, if, if uh, <laughs> Debo's out and they offer a half yard prop, I, I think I'm taking the over this time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the right call. Uh, he <laughs> ran a route. Uh, he So he's surprised. I, I thought Bell was going to get more and more involved, but – uh, nah. Looks like McLeod kind of over re re overtook him. Yeah, uh, ran around on eighty one percent of the dropbacks last week with Debo only ten percent, and uh, Bell didn't really get in the, didn't get much action at all uh, uh, in the past game oh. last week. So yeah, that's that's a little bit concerning. But yeah, at this point, it looks like McLeod would be that number three receiver. Obviously, Juwan Jennings becomes more playable as well but hasn't really been a, a great option against the blitz uh, i think mcleod's probably a better option just because you know he, he can you could throw it to him hot right like you can he can just run a little slant i think jennings yeah. is a little more you know guy you're gonna throw contested balls and things like that too so uh yeah like uh, i do like ray ray mcleod definitely over ronnie bell and they'll yeah. probably they would probably i guess elevate what Willie Sneed or Chris Conley, one of those guys, something oh, like good that. Lord. Uh, they they yeah. Yeah, don't play them either. Uh, <laughs> definitely play Ray Ray McLeod. Um, and maybe, you know, who I really want to see get some time, but it doesn't seem like he is at least this year. Uh, Braden Willis, the, the, he's their number four tight end. Yeah. But I think he has some interesting, like remember Jalen Hurd, like that, that never was. And everyone was like hyped about oh, it. Wow. Just never pan. Like, I feel like Braden Willis, you could kind of use him a little bit similarly. So I'm, I, I think Shanahan could find a way to utilize him, but I mean, they, they just like, you know, Werner and Dwelly for their blocking and things like that. So boring. Um, yeah. Super boring. <laughs> but I mean, I think we pretty much mentioned every player, every backup. Oh, how, yeah. we, how, we, how do we, I mean, she, if we're, if we're looking for a, uh, you know, who's going to step up for the Vikings, gotta, gotta just two oh. guys, really CJ ham, obviously, on you know like come on the, the, I, I think like, extension can they gotta, Wongo or something one no, just got activated you got to stack yeah. him with the defense though which i don't i mean if if everyone's True. out maybe maybe um because he, he returned kicks i believe especially with powell now playing more on offense and mm-hmm. but i'm curious as to your thoughts before we get out of here on cam acres because yeah. i thought that cam acres usage was going to continue going up it went up the first two games like you know First game, he came in, got a few carries, few snaps. Second game seemed like every third drive he was getting in, you know, and I thought that was going to keep improving because he looks better than Madison out there. And this is coming from a person who had a lot of Madison shares, (laughs) you know, volume. But, like, it's all like I'm kind of mad that my prediction that, like, they actually do just for some reason believe in Madison seems to be coming true because Akers was back to, like, a nothing again. Or is it just an Akers problem? Like, what's going on there? Uh, probably a combo of both, but you know, I was I was watching that backfield closely. I had Madison under, uh, what was it like twelve and a half yards? Is his longest rush fourteen and a half? I think. Oh, oh sorry, short. I still can't believe that number. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I was watching that game. I I don't think Acres checked in until like the third drive in the second quarter. This was clearly Madison's backfield. They didn't give a shit that he was just pounding two yards uh every rush attempt uh and then acres came in he ripped off an eight yard run and then we didn't see him again for like two more drives um i I just think they're content using madison as a grinder that was maybe the type of game that 
they, they were just expecting or something. But, um, you know, maybe Akers will start to eat into his receiving downwork, if anything. What a twist. I mean, Akers was a pretty decent pass catching back that is true. at Florida yeah. State. Uh, and, you know, Stafford just never targeted him. Um, and, you know, Cousins has targeted him uh, a quarter of the time he's on the field running around. So I found his, like, receiving props to be sneaky. But, again, like, they, they just really just throttled down his usage. So it was interesting to see. I, I don't get it. But, yeah, they're you called it. I mean, they're just sticking with Madison. It doesn't really matter who's behind him. Um, so that's that's more of a coaching decision, I guess. But uh, Acre, Acres, when he was on the field, looked fine to me. Um, and Madison didn't, but yeah, uh, yeah, Madison hasn't looked good all year. Like, that's no, the, I know, I so I can't issue. explain the usage. <laughs> I, it wouldn't shock me if it flips at some point, but until that happens, we're just assuming, right? Yeah, so I, I get what happened. I'm starting to understand what happened it, with the Rams. So oh. Sean McVay was kind of always known for, and remember, O'Connell is a disciple, you know, they, they've worked, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, Sean McVay had kind of always been known for his. Uh, you know, zone run, zone running game, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like those kind of concepts, you know, zone concepts. Well, this year he decided, you know, he took like a long look. He decided he wanted to run more power, more gap. And Kyron Williams is just better at that. And yeah. Akers is not really good at that. So that's why, um, you know, he, he just like, that's why you've seen him struggle and just struggle with his vision and things and like be healthy scratch. Cause big mm-hmm. just was not feeling, you know, especially the transition. So they go and they ship him to, O'Connell, who's running the the scheme, the run scheme anyway, a lot of the same concepts that McVeigh used to use a lot more that he's kind of going away from. So you would think that there wouldn't be a learning curve because I know yeah. O'Connell's offense is co- uh, somewhat complex, which is another reason why a lot of mm. you know they're not using a lot of backups on at any position in, on offense. But um, yeah, I, I I don't get it. I, I mean, every time Cam Akers, we think it's like okay, he's good. Then it just goes downhill again. But does this mean he's going to take over for Madison in like week twelve and to be the fantasy RB one for the last six oh, yeah, weeks or something? Sure. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. So we'll wait, we'll wait, we're waiting on Cam. <laughs> um, because yeah, I I I was concerned about that. Uh, you know, the, the usage with him last week. I I was I, I was prepared to to invest, and then uh, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of went back down. So all right. Uh, that is going to do it for us here on the night shift episode of the fantasy flex. Be sure to check out the full list of <clears throat> luck rankings at actionnetwork.com. And for more fantasy content from Sean and I, we got our player projections episode out right now over on the action network podcast channel. Our fantasy preview episode is right here on the fantasy flex podcast channel actionnetwork.com for all of our nfl fantasy and betting content fantasylabs.com for our dfs tools and models don't forget to check that discord link in the episode description sean is on x at the underscore odds maker i'm at chris raybon and we're at those same handles on a free award-winning action network app so next time let's get this money action network reminds you please gamble responsibly If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.